You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. He was a great man, and God help us that we would be the same. There are some Christians that, you know, put on their Christian face and put on their Christian garments when they come to church on Sunday, and they use the language, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know, when they're amongst their brothers and sisters in Christ, and I understand that, but how do you live your life apart from the church and apart from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you legitimately and honestly say that your life is the same. How different are you from who you are in Christian circles versus who you are in privacy? It's certainly a struggle for all of us to live a life of integrity, both in public and in private. Today in his message, Pastor Mike points us to the extraordinary life of Joseph. His life is one to look at for all the ups and downs we face in our day-to-day living. The story of Joseph is one of heartache, hurts, and disappointments, and yet, He never seems to lose focus of doing the right thing at all times. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 37 as he begins his message, Envy and Jealousy. message, the title is Envy and Jealousy, and we're in Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 24. So let's read that text of scripture. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha. And remember, these were the maidservants. Actually, both of these women gave birth to Jacob's sons as well. And uh, we'll talk some about that in, in just a moment. His father's wives, notice. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, we're not exactly told what kind of a bad report or what the other brothers were doing. Joseph, one of the younger brothers, are snitching on their older brothers. And obviously, they didn't like that. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. That would have been his wife Rachel. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. That coat of many colors, that tunic, represented that he was highly favored by his father and he was also the one who stood to inherit all that his father had. So it was sort of like a preeminent over all of the other brothers which also the other brothers didn't like. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more, 
than all his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, to make matters worse, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And so he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he, Joseph, dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, I don't know, I guess he was compelled to share these dreams with his brothers. I don't know if Joseph was just being naive here, because really uh, in the broadcasting of these dreams, it only infuriated his brothers even more and said, look, I have dreamed another dream, verse 9. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And so he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, Obviously, in that part, remember last time we talked about Shechem and all of the incidents and things that had happened while Jacob had been there in Shechem. Remember killing all of the male population, the brothers and that were also infuriated because of the rape of their sister Dinah. Remember that? We talked about that last time together. But the one thing that stood out about that particular area was that it was a fertile area and it had green pastures. And it accommodated all of Jacob's flocks. And that's the reason why they went back to Shechem. Verse 13, And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. And then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. And so he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him And there he was, wandering in the field, that is Joseph. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? And so Joseph said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. The man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben, obviously intervening on Joseph's behalf, heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. And so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the coat of many colors. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. So once again, this morning's message, the title is Envy and Jealousy. So listen, i got to tell you something. I'm pretty excited about the fact that this morning we are about to embark 
on a series of studies surrounding one of the most wonderful and excellent characters in all of the Bible. I'm referring to Joseph. In fact, many Bible teachers and commentators describe Joseph in this way, a man for all seasons. Now, why do you think he would be recommended to us in that way? Because, you see, Joseph was someone who was loved, someone who was hated, someone who was favored, abused, tempted, trusted, exalted, abased. And so, truly, he was someone that I think all of us, you know, in all of these different ways, over these next couple of weeks, if not several months, that we consider this man Joseph and who he was in his life experience and the work that God did in and through his life, I'm sure that there's going to be something that you will be able to relate to, something that you will be able to identify with, something that's exactly happened to you. And I believe that's the very reason why he's been described as a man for all seasons. So truly, he is a relevant character. But you know what? In spite of the way that he's been treated, and on some occasions mistreated, yet at no point in Joseph's life, which by the way, he lived for 110 years of his life, in spite of everything that he encountered, all of the struggles, all of the difficulties, all of the deception, all of the lives, he never seemed to get his eyes off of God or cease to trust in him. Adversity did not harden Joseph, did not harden his character or his heart, but then on the other hand, prosperity did not ruin him, neither. He was the same in private as in public life. Truly, he was a great man. And God help us that we would be the same. There are some Christians that, you know, put on their Christian face and put on their Christian garments when they come to church on Sunday. And they use the language, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know, when they're amongst their brothers and sisters in Christ. And I understand that. But how do you live your life apart from the church and apart from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you legitimately and honestly say that your life is the same? And so adversity did not harden his character or his heart, and prosperity did not ruined him. He was the same in private as he was in public. Truly, Joseph was a great man. In fact, to give you an idea of exactly how great he was, and I think this validates this statement, no less than 14 chapters are devoted to examining this man's life, devoted to his life, which if you think about it, was the equal amount of chapters that were devoted to the man Abraham, that we were also introduced to here in our studies in the book of Genesis. Think about that. You know, Abraham, the father of the faith, that's the way that he's recommended to us, right? God got a hold of this man, Abraham, and through him, right, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. That is, through his seed, through his line, would ultimately, eventually come our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in all of Joseph's 110 years, nothing bad was reported. Now, you can't even say that about Father Abraham. Remember, Abraham, at time, had lapses of faith. He lied about the identity of his wife, Sarah, you know, because of the fact that he, as he traveled from one place to another, 
Remember when he went down to Egypt during the time of famine, he was very concerned because his wife was a, a really obviously good-looking woman. And so he was very concerned that the men in the land down in Egypt would actually kill him and take his wife from him. Or he was also concerned about Pharaoh himself, numbering his wife, Sarah, as one of the members of his harem. There was, at times, lapses of faith for Abraham. There was lies. There were deceits. On also another occasion, remember with King Abimelech of the Philistines, the very same thing happened. There was lies. There was deceit. But there's a complete absence of anything like that as we consider and study Joseph's life. Nothing bad reported. And yes, he had a sinful nature, but we're not told of any outward expression of it. And so this morning and over the next couple of weeks, if not, again, a couple of months, we are free to respond to and love Joseph as no other individual that is recorded for us in the Bible. He's one beloved character in the Bible. Certainly someone that we should consider as a model to emulate that is apart from Jesus Christ himself, right? I mean, no one can take his place and, and, or stand in his shoes. But anyway, the first of many lessons that Joseph in his life's experience serves up for us here in this section of the book of Genesis has to do with the subject of, and if you're taking notes, write this down. This is our first point. Jealousy and where it leads. Now, first of all, before we actually get into it, just in case you ever thought or if you heard someone express this, you can come. this would be your comeback response. You know, I just can't wrap my head around Christianity. You know, I find the Bible to be boring. Well, I mean, think about it. This chapter before us here in chapter 37 reads like a novel because contained within it, there's intrigue, there's suspense, there are all kinds of twists and turns. Listen, it's a lot better reading your Bible than all of the dribble that's being broadcast over TV today. It's like crazy, some of the things. Where did they come up with some of this stuff? What's the age group or the, the mentality of the people that watch some of these things? I mean, it's so, it's so crazy. So anyway, if someone thinks that the Bible is boring... You know, encourage them to just simply read chapter 37 here in the book of Genesis, but also elsewhere. I mean, think about it. So this story before us is one of great cruelty and great resentment. Think about it. Nine men, the brothers of Joseph, are conspiring at once to kill their brother. And by the way, a brother whose qualities deserved their love. You see, Joseph loved them. In fact, he was in the very act of love when their fury was unleashed by them. Wasn't he seeking them out at his father's beckoning? Hadn't he come to see how they were doing? He was concerned about their welfare. You know, just a side note here before we even go on. It's at this exact point where many Bible teachers and commentators suggest that Joseph becomes a type of Jesus Christ. Remember in the introduction, before we even got into our series in the book of Genesis, our first study several months ago, as an introduction, I had mentioned that there are many what we refer to as analogies or symbols here or double meanings 
more plainly here in this particular book of the, of the Bible. And so there are many parallels between Joseph and none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Jesus, who came into our world, seeking us out, even as Joseph was seeking out his own brothers, he was concerned about their welfare. Jesus came into this world concerned about our welfare. He was betrayed by his brothers, even as Jesus was betrayed by his brethren, Israel. The Bible tells us in John's Gospel, in chapter 1, he came unto his own, but his own received him not, right? And so they conspired for his death, even as Israel conspired for the death of Jesus. They cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Well, anyway, just a little side note. So as we go through this, I want you to think about it. It's true, there are many parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Well, anyway, getting back to our subject this morning of envy and jealousy, let me give you a cross-reference. We need to guard ourselves against these emotions. They're extremely damaging. They should be absent in the life of every Christian, man or woman. In Hebrews chapter 12, here's the exhortation in verses 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Even your enemies, by the way, or those who despitefully use you or go out of their ways to harm you, this is the way that we are to treat them. Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So this is a good warning that served up for us here in this portion of the book of Hebrews. The bitter root that is being referred to here in that text of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, think about it. That's exactly what happened to Joseph's brothers. Jealousy and envy led to hatred, which ultimately led to murderous intent. Do you see the progression of that? It's sort of like a downward spiral. Notice in verse 11, go back to our text for a moment. Notice in verse 11, we are told that the brothers envied him, or more accurately, were jealous of him. Now, the word envy or jealousy, by definition, is ill will occasioned by another's good fortune. And as I've already suggested, it is a terrible, terrible passion. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 14, in verse 30, the Bible tells us that envy rots the bones. So there's a warning served up for you there. In James chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And the reason for this is that envy is, and I want you to think about this, if you're envying, right, the truth of the matter is, it's actually an angry resistance to God's decrees. You say, how's that? I'm not angry against God, I'm angry against that person. It's being directed towards a particular person. Well, even if it is being directed towards a particular person, consequently, it is ultimately resentment and hatred directed towards God himself. I mean, think about it. They resented Joseph 
because of his good qualities and their father favoring him and the dreams that he dreamt. Go back to verse 8. What does it say? And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him. There's that word. Even more for his dreams and for his words. But who inspired those dreams? Who gave Joseph those dreams? God, there you go. All of which was God's doing. And so the truth of the matter is, it wasn't even resentment towards his brother so much as it was their resentment against God. Now, you may be thinking, and I, and I sort of referred to this just a moment ago, Joseph was someone who was absolutely crazy sharing the dreams with his brothers. And maybe so. As I mentioned before, probably, I mean, he's, really, he's only 17 years old. So he's probably very naive. But you see, he felt a God-given responsibility to make known this divine revelation. Anyway, it's all about hating God's decrees. I mean, otherwise, why get upset about a dream? You know, someone shares a dream with you. One of my kids, as they were growing up or something, let's say uh, uh, Bubba, dreamt a dream. You know, maybe on a Sunday over at our house, we're always watching the Giants. And after the Giants, if there's another game on, we're watching another football game. And and that goes on whether it's football season, baseball season, basketball season, or, you know, especially when the kids were young. We used to lay on the floor. We used to get after church and we'd all just go home, grab a bite to eat, and then we'd watch every, every sporting event that there was on, on TV. With the girls, it was volleyball. So we were a sports-minded kind of a family. And so even as when my kids were very young, you know, they might have dreamt dreams of one day playing in the Super Bowl. And so how do you respond to that? Do you encourage your child? Yeah, you do. You encourage them, right? About achieving something. You suggest certain ways that they might be able to apply themselves to that end. You know, little Johnny wants to become an astronaut or whatever. So you encourage him. You support him in that, right? You don't hate the child for the dream that they dreamt. No matter how self-centered or bizarre it might be, in the expression of it, right? You don't put the kid down. You don't crush their dreams, right? You know, forget that. You're never going to become an astronaut. You just don't have the IQ for it. You don't say anything like that, right? But you see, these brothers were hating what God might do, and thus they were hating God. Notice in verse 20. Go back to verse 20 again. It says, Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say... Some wild beast that devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. The dreamer, right? And so this put them against God. Because in this, in their actions, their hearts were revealed. And their malice towards Joseph. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house Where I long to be Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then... God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.